0: teaching you my lessons of sitting there for hours and hours yelling yeah at myself well they're finally
1: good for something <laughs>
0: and now it's finally happening. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the Hybrid Pub Scout podcast with me, Emily Einolander. And
1: me, Corinne (laughs) Kalaski.
0: Hello! Hello! (laughs) Uh, We are uh, mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. Yes, we are. Yeah, and um, today we have a great interview Uh with a... Wonderful publicist uh, and consultant, Mary Bisbee Beak, and that'll come later in the episode. And uh, she's great. She's a, she's the real deal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She's
0: been doing this for a long time. She has been. She's a good friend of Corinne. She is. Yeah. She does
1: not suffer fools gladly. She does not. Which is something I very much admire in people. Which so. is
0: the kind of person I want to meet. Yes. Even uh-huh. if it's just on the internet. Yeah. yeah or uh, over Skype. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> As per today. Yes. We made that dream come true today. <laughs> That's the great thing yeah. about modern technology. Mm-hmm. So many dreams can come true. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to share. Uh, we just have one article to talk about today. Why don't you uh, go into it a little bit? All right. Um, it is called
1: "Girl, Wash Your Face," um, and it has been on the New York Times list under the like self help miscellaneous section yes. for I honestly since like April or something. It's for been months and yeah, months. Number one or number two. And I don't
0: know anyone who's read it.
1: I don't know anyone either. Mm. Um, I hear a lot of people who are into it are into uh, what are those multi-level marketing schemes that like that's her biggest fan base, I guess. Have you listened to The Dream yet? No.
0: Okay. We'll talk about
1: that. Okay. 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 I think if I knew more people involved in those. Well, first of all, I'd probably hate myself. Well, you also... definitely
0: unfollow them on Facebook. Oh, yeah. that Well, of course, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: So it's written by this woman named Rachel Hollis, uh, who is, I would say, best described as like an influencer of some kind, which is, you know... I just have to say that that is a word that I will be really, really fucking happy when it disappears from like the cultural lexicon, because I am so fucking tired of hearing about influencers. Corinne yells at cloud. It's true though. Like influencer <laughs> marketing, blah, blah. I don't, oh my gosh. Well, it and it must be nuts. more
0: annoying for you because it's like big part of your job. Yeah, it is totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's all bullshit anyway.
0: And, uh,
1: I guess Rachel's background is that, uh, she grew up in this really small town in California, um and she grew up super poor also so she's kind of a self-made woman i would say in some respects um so she ended up moving to los angeles uh right after high school and she got a job uh with Mir- at miramax because she was obsessed with matt damon which i think is a weird reason to try to
0: get a job well you heard about how uh, mindy kaling made her big break right no oh um she and her friend did a two-woman play uh-huh where they wrote this entire like fantastical situation of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck being oh. best friend roommates. And it was just like this comedy <laughs> that they wrote and they uh-huh. played Ben Affleck and, Matt Damon. <laughs> that and that's awesome. like one of the first things she did that got noticed. Oh, and It was okay. like an off, off Broadway sure. thing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Matt Damon has made a lot of careers. He apparently. Has. I guess
1: maybe I should tangentially. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like Mindy Kaling, at least it was like this creative endeavor. It wasn't just like Matt Damon, I think you're so hot. I'm going to move to LA and like, I don't know. Maybe try to be he a part just of your inspired company? her. Maybe. Why are you sticking up for Matt Damon?
0: Well, I'm I'm not sticking up for Matt <laughs> <I> Damon. <know. laughs> well, I mean, of the two of them, I am sticking up for yeah, Matt I'll Damon. Yeah, I'll agree.
1: Very much agree. I'm
0: just sticking up for weird inspirations. Weird inspirations. Okay. I yeah. can
1: respect that. Anyway. All right. So maybe it's not as weird as I thought. Um, so anyway, so that job at Miramax uh, led to Rachel meeting her husband and starting a very successful event planning company called Chic Events which morphed into a lifestyle blog called The Chic Site, which has turned into a nebulous evolving business empire called Chic Media. Now it's called The Hollis Company. Um, Anyway, so she and her husband, Dave, uh, oversee her motivational speaking circuit and podcast, as well as her conferences, which are called Rise uh, for Women and Couples. Um, so that was sort of her background before she wrote this book. Well, she actually had written a couple other books before this one, but obviously this was her blockbuster one. Uh, She's written three novels, two cookbooks, uh, before this one came out earlier
0: this year. Were her novels like Puritan romances. You know, the Like Bonnet romances. I don't know.
1: I have a feeling. You didn't do your research, did you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so good at research, too. It's Wait, let me Google it.
0: Yeah, please do. Rachel Hollis.
1: Rachel Hollis. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Okay. It was published by Thomas Nelson, which is basically HarperCollins Christian Division. Um, So. Uh, and it's kind of like the book is basically um a collection of stories and like tough love advice from a woman who's been there um and vaguely biblical encouragement, which I would say is a masterful way, vaguely to critique biblical this. encouragement. Yeah, it's very,
0: very vague, um,
1: so anyway, and the book is
0: okay, so there's three there <laughs> these are the these are the novels. ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. This is Party Girl, Sweet Girl, and Smart Girl. <laughs> Each of them are a picture of a pair of shoes <laughs> with props in the background uh-huh. on a white. What what does this look like? Uh, uh, this looks like a looks what like was that lady?
1: Garbage.
0: Well, the. What?
2: <laughs> sorry. What else?
1: <laughs> Don't be sexist,
0: Corinne. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> throw that that women's studies book across the <laughs> it was um there was like in the mid to uh-huh. early 2000s uh-huh. there was a period of time where Chicklet had uh-huh. white backgrounds yeah with some kind of woman's uh, like disembodied,
1: disembodied like, limb yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah it's like
0: it's right. like the opposite of thrillers because thrill oh, thrillers okay. have women's disembodied limbs but they're like dying in water sure um but The chicklet has, you know, oh, look, I'm running out on the town. Look at me hailing a taxi with my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I like how the sweet girl one, though, has Uh like these kind of dominatrixy boots. Yeah, they
1: totally are. So, this new book uh, is sort of arranged uh, chapter by chapter. Uh, Here are some, well, here are some of the chapter names just to give you an idea of what the book is like. Uh, One is called I Am Bad at Sex. One is called, I should be further along by now. One is called, I am defined by my weight, and so on. Uh, recognizing the lies we've come to accept about ourselves is the key to growing into a better version of ourselves, Hollis writes. Um, so the interesting thing to me about this is that the so Thomas Nelson, I feel like, has very much promoted this as a Christian book. And I mean, if you go on Amazon, and even if you sort of read a little bit, even in this article, you'll see later on, there's a lot of criticism from Christian bloggers and just Christian readers in general. Yeah, they're mad. Yeah, yeah. that there's nothing in here that is actually like Christian, you know, right. it's just like, like, like this woman, the Laura Turner, her name is the woman who wrote the article, said it's vaguely biblical. And that's pretty much what Is Hollis Laura does. Turner
0: a Christian? I don't know. She didn't say. Oh, oh, okay. I, yeah. I got confused because I was like, is she writing from like the perspective in, of a uh, dissatisfied Christian consumer? Oh, I don't think
1: I didn't get the sense that she was a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't. Be, but she well, spoke you and to I, for
0: it. We happened to peruse the Amazon reviews for yes. this book for a very yes. long time, mm-hmm. and um, it, it actually kind of made me respect Christian readers more because yeah, they were because they were like, This is so materialistic. Right, right. And um has nothing about God. yeah and, yeah, nothing about Jesus. And is very privileged. Yes. And I was like I agree with that. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: totally. Well, and I think like they're calling bullshit on the fact that like the company is marketing this content to them that it doesn't actually speak to them at all. They speak to any other beliefs.
0: Well, and uh, there's a line in here, like you sent me the article and I found this line that I love so much. It's, it's I'm going to read the whole paragraph. Yeah. Um, there is more than a hint of hashtag girl boss, corporate feminism at work here as Hollis equates having quote unquote made it with being able to drop a lot of cash on a status symbol bag and Uh, a Louis Vuitton bag she Mm -hmm. talks about, Uh, using purchasing power as a path to self-realization. And she takes that brand of feminism a step further by marrying it with Christianity in what is essentially a Pinterest worthy version of the prosperity gospel. Amen. Yeah. That was a perfect paragraph. Yeah. Truly. Whoever you are, whoever you are, I'll give you a book deal (laughs) with my publishing company. That's, clearly better and more influential than buzzfeed
1: (laughs) let's see so oh girl wash your face as we said it's been on the new york times list since it came out in february uh it has almost seven thousand amazon reviews the vast majority of them which are five star reviews but the most helpful ones are the one star reviews i mean they're rated as the most helpful on amazon um so it's also really interesting, I think, in this article, too, the author sort of calls out uh, this phenomenon on, I guess, in the Internet, but especially on Instagram um, that sort of cropped up in the past couple of years called curated imperfection, which I think is a very big thing.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I have, have you seen that termed in that way? Before? No, I haven't. But I think it's perfect. Just
1: a little more background on what's on Hollis's Instagram account uh, she does a lot of inspirational quotes from her own writing. Then, of course, she's going to put up her own stuff. Yeah. And her Rise yeah. conferences. And her Rise, exactly. Rise. Uh, she also has a podcast, of course, which is not nearly as good as the one. Listen to sure. our podcast. Yeah. Fuck this lady. Um, <laughs> also, they have uh, marriage conferences, uh, which she calls a, quote, getaway weekend and costs $1,800 per couple for two days, hotel not included, and no refunds. So, you know, Ooh.
0: yeah, I don't you know. You know what, though? 1800 what? Yeah. is like just low enough. You think so? For well, she's people. probably researched that price point, Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so that's a knows. good price point. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Um, here's some random stuff that she puts on her YouTube channel. She does, uh, okay, chatty family life updates. Uh, there's a video called Say Hello to Dave's New Bronco, which I assume is about a car and not like a horse.
0: Well, because but- can you really own a a bronco, aren't they supposed to be wild uh, and free? Like wild, I feel like she would find a way. Um Well, then, but maybe not. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, that's taming true. the broncos. <laughs> taming <laughs> I'm imagining like a, a fourth grade book that I would really love. Yeah, <laughs> Dave's <laughs> new bronco and how I broke it. <laughs> that sounds like a Chuck Tingle thing.
1: <laughs> I love you, Chuck Tingle. We Beyond our podcast, we love you so much. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's see. The homepage of the chic site, uh, as of mid-October featured a recipe for slow cooker pumpkin spice latte. The most basic of all drinks.
0: I would be afraid that chicken would get into Like little <laughs> bits of chicken that were oh, in gross. my slow cooker. <laughs> get
1: I would say that's a valid fear. Right. Um, a post about how to incorporate Spanx leggings into your fall look. And a video Fair. on how to host a girls' night in sponsored by Rubbermaid. I
0: don't need to be told how to have a girls' night in. Um, Thank you
1: yeah, very really. much. Me neither. So let's see. Uh, her core philosophy is basically this, uh, are people who have problems responsible for fixing them themselves, or is there some collective responsibility that we are shirking? Does a society owe something to all of its members? Um, so in her book, she's pretty much saying, uh, yes, we are responsible for fixing ourselves and society owes us nothing, uh, to help us with the fixing. Um, I don't know. I mean, to some degree is true. I mean, it's like, you know, you can choose to look at your life like sort of glass half empty or glass half full. But there are also things like, you know, systemic racism and access to health care and things that are a little outside of uh, Rachel's purview, I think, that she doesn't think about, uh, that not everyone sort of I don't know, not everyone falls under into the same like category that she does. I mean income bracket, obviously, but in lots of other I mean the race bracket or class bracket or any of those things that she does. So obviously it's a little harder to kind of reach for the stars when you're in the toilet. So that's a that's a Corinne Kalaski quote. Um, let's see. So in a recent Instagram post, she thanked her followers for helping her sell over one million total copies of Girl Wash Your Face. Um, and it's interesting that the biggest demographic that seems to sell the book are people and MLM teams.
0: Uh, so I don't know anybody involved in one of those.
1: Uh, I don't really know what goes
0: into it. Um, you should listen to a podcast called The Dream. Okay. It is, everyone should listen to this. Mm-hmm. The studies they've done have shown that um, 99.9% of people lose money. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so hmm. you don't make money doing it, right? But right. there's a lot of hope sold. Uh, there's a lot there's... of excitement and hype around uh-huh. it. There, sure, you know, and there's that one sliver of people that mm-hmm. everyone looks at and says, "Well, that could be me. That right, could be of me." Course. Yeah, and um, it's specifically targeting women who, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially stay at home moms sure. yeah. who want to make a little extra money on yeah. the side yeah. or, and, um, still have to like have the flexibility in their mm-hmm. um, time. And I know that, uh, Rachel Hollis is like yeah. a mom. Right. And yes. Yeah. so I can see why she would be in the position to like inspire these people. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, you can have the Louis Vuitton bag and you mm-hmm. can have the vacations in right. the vacation house. Yeah. Um, just, you know, if you keep working really, really hard uh-huh. and right. it's You'll like, don't take the saturated market into account. Mm. Don't take like these other things that right. kind of are prohibitive right. into right. account. I'm just going to keep feeding. You're just you not working hard quotes. enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. But I can okay. see how someone who kind of has that curated imperfection where mm-hmm. it's like, look, I have these problems, but yeah. I still made it. Right. Right. Why can't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So it's very like aspirational. Exactly. Aspirational yeah. and not necessarily as attainable for everyone. Mm-hmm. But isn't that like the nature of self-help? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I would
1: say so. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this article about how, you know, Hollis basically ignores her privilege uh, and I mean, as a white woman, as a wealthy white woman, uh, I don't even know how other, how, in what other ways is she privileged as a blonde? I have no idea, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if it's real or mom. not as a mom. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but she, um, also as someone who is a mother, but, uh, it's interesting that I guess she doesn't mention childcare in the book at all until the acknowledgements where she thanks her nanny. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's something else that is obviously not something that, you know, a lot of people are, can afford the luxury of having a nanny, uh, which is something that she kind of just takes as given, I think at this point, um, and allows her to live the life that she does. Well, and so. there's
0: also an interesting point that, um, uh, L- Laura, Laura, mm-hmm. Laura makes later in the article about, um, how, how, uh, Rachel is in the foster to adopt yeah, right. situation and she kind of goes on these rants about how the a- addicts never show up to mm-hmm. see their children when they're right. supposed to have like uh supervised visits mm-hmm. yeah and then you know how do you keep taking babies to see parents who aren't parenting how do you give up half a Saturday to wait in a McDonald's playland for addicts who may or may not show up, then hand over an innocent baby and watch them erase whatever progress you've made with their daughter? How do you do all of this knowing that they'll be reunited at the end of it all and there's nothing you can do about it? And this is where it gets ironic. If you're like me, you find a way, but at night when no one is looking, you drink and when it gets really bad, you take a Xanax too. <laughs> interesting <laughs> like, what <laughs> <laughs> how can you handle all these addicts uh, by drinking a lot yes
1: <laughs> i think that's of kind of
0: the I, I think that kind of is what Laura's trying to say yeah is ex- exemplary mm-hmm. of the hypocrisy involved yeah. because it's like she is at a certain level mm-hmm. where if she does Make those choices to drink and take a Xanax. Sure, you know, sure. Yeah, that is relatable. That's yeah. super relatable. Right. But at the same time, like, if you weren't in the situation you're in, mm-hmm. if you didn't have the security and comfort that you had, yeah, um, if you didn't have a certain genetic predisposition, mm-hmm. this is a controversial opinion, apparently. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. then maybe your choice to drink and have a Xanax at the end of the night would hurt your children. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Or maybe if you did have all those comforts, mm-hmm. it's still hurting your children right, and sure. you just don't think it is because you're special. Yeah. Right. But a very distinctly American idea. And I think this has led to the um, billionaire worshiping culture mm-hmm. is like, wealth is morality yeah and yeah. if you have money it's because god has blessed you with money mm. it, because you did something right mm-hmm. sure so um
1: do you think jeff bezos thinks that about himself <sighs> i bet he does
0: well yeah Uh huh. i don't know if he thinks about god yeah well yeah i just don't know either. <laughs> yeah so i don't know where i got off on this oh but what i was gonna say mm-hmm. is um the rise of self-help yeah has been very, like, money-based. Yeah. And so true. if you're telling people to get better about something, and a lot of this article is complaining about how, you know, she's got these seminars mm-hmm. that cost a lot of money, right, and right. most of it is focused on, you can have this vacation house in Hawaii, yeah. And you can have this Louis Vuitton bag mm-hmm. that you want. Right. And that obviously enhances your life. Yeah, right. right. But also, like, she's equating it with being a good person. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and if it's from Thomas Nelson yeah. and it's supposed to be Christian, Christians, right. Yeah. Then that's prosperity gospel. Yeah. Yeah, and sure. That's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And all self-help books, even if they aren't prosperity gospel, even mm-hmm. if they are new age, yeah, like yeah. there is a there is a thread of Absolutely. prosperity gospel in all of new age self-help. Yeah. Yeah. If it's about you making more money, Mhm. And it's about spirituality. Or abundance. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Then then that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that all the complaints that Laura's making here are things that can be applied to most self-help books. Yeah. I would agree with that. And and she has her own personal, like, distinct issues, but a lot of the stuff that... is being discussed here is not Mm -hmm. unique
1: yeah that's true it's just characteristic of the genre
0: yeah in general yeah yeah Yeah. and I and I like not to be too like devil's advocate about Mm -hmm. it but I think that she's only really digging into this person in particular because she's been on the bestseller list for so long
1: yeah yeah
0: thank you for coming to my TED talk
1: (laughs) (laughs) um I know I would agree with all of that as someone who is I mean I feel like I've read a good deal of self help books. I love self help. I do books, too. But they're like they're like candy yeah, to me. That's no. I agree. I think they're that way for me too. They're I mean, just like a nice thing to chew on, basically. Okay, so laffy taffy.
0: Yeah. For your soul. That's right. That's I think right. you should put that on Instagram. Yeah. Laffy <laughs> taffy for your soul. I'm sure we could
1: come up with a poem to go with it. Laffy taffy sponsor us. <laughs> Let's see. I was going to read some of these uh, crappy Amazon reviews. Yes. Really quickly. So as we said, there are many, many one star reviews for this book. Uh, One of them goes, uh, Rachel Hollis's life experience is so near perfect and so far removed from that of the average woman that there is almost nothing in this book that is actually relatable. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's pretty damning, I would say. Um, And then uh, one of the Christian bloggers also left uh, another one star Amazon review uh, that says "Uh, reading Girl, Wash Your Face exhausted me. Um, make no mistake, sisters, this book is all about you. Jesus offers us true joy and peace, but only after we we realize that we are not the center of our own lives and we are no longer in charge. Um, so, and there's, you know, I mean, other stuff in here in this article too, about how she kind of uses scripture to kind of justify her, I don't know, her like contentions basically and her lifestyle and right. you know, all the points she brings up. Um, so would again, like vaguely biblical, I would say. Well, that's, like, I mean, and yeah, everybody's been
0: doing that for, yeah, that's true. But yeah. that's also very prosperity gospel. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it all fits into the same Like kind I found of this Bible verse that told me that I should be rich. Oh, <laughs> I think, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, this is kind of like one of her like wrap up paragraphs, I think her just this sentence. Um, Hollis's audience of mostly white middle class women will probably be glad to have someone to tell them what to do, how to follow their dreams and to give them permission never to break a promise to themselves. But in what many people would consider to be a moment of full blown cultural crisis in the United States, are white middle class women the people who most need a champion telling them to prioritize themselves above all others? Which is, you know, a good question. I would say probably not. Which, you know... That's not a bad message. No. Yeah, it's a good one. Everybody should, you know, love themselves. Especially people can, who can <laughs> afford to buy the books. That's right. And it's and afford her seminars and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the other stuff she says. And the hotel. And the hotel. The no seminar. refunds. No refunds. No refunds. Nope.
0: All right. Well, I guess now we should uh, we should probably stop talking about this and yeah. let's... Uh, we'll get into our interview with Mary. That's right.
1: So today we're talking to Mary Bisbee Beak uh, who is a publicist extraordinaire in addition to many other hats that she wears. Um, and I met Mary, was it two years ago, three years ago? I think, I think when, it was three. That sounds right. When I worked yeah. for Counterpoint on uh, their marketing department. Um, so Mary worked on, I, several of our books, I think. Um, and she was amazing and I loved her immediately. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So, We're and she, to cut from the same cloth yeah I think so too I totally think so too I feel like we're um kind of drawn to the same sort of genre and the same kind of book so and and neither of us suffer fools gladly yeah that too (laughs) amen amen so
3: so we had a little shorthand going
1: yeah (laughs) I
3: think that's true
1: yeah yeah um So I guess we can just cut right to the chase here uh, and ask, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in publishing?
3: I have to say it was a complete weird thing.
2: Uh Um,
3: I was in I was in school and um oh, I was at a school mm-hmm. and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and the, all the way through school I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I actually thought I wanted to be a curator. Oh, okay. And I had pictured myself living in Paris and wor- working mm. at the Louvre. Oh, wow! Except there was that one small detail where I'm not particularly good at foreign languages.
1: Oh, that is a small detail.
3: <laughs> Very small detail. Um Anyway, I was working in a restaurant and I was, and I kid you not, I was making fruit salad in a garbage can. <laughs> Ew. It was clean, uh-huh. but that's where we stored the fruit salad. Okay. Wow. Because every, every dish had a little side of fruit salad. Oh. And I remember um, coring apples Mm -hmm. and throwing them into this plastic garbage can Mm -hmm. thinking it's got to be better than this. And then I started fantasizing about like where, where I might find like-minded people. And there was one part of me that was thinking libraries, but then I kept thinking about the shh that I had grown up with. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't realize that things had evolved. So I was really seriously, Drawn to the idea of publishing, but it took me a little while to get there. Okay. Um, But that was the seed. I see. That was the seed that started things. Okay. Okay. Fruit salad.
0: Right. Fruit salad. Fruit
3: salad. Seeds inside the fruit
0: (laughs) grew your publishing career. (laughs) So, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got
1: from the seed to the actual career?
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, a lot of uh, crappy jobs between the fruit salad and the first job in publishing which was purely by accident. Um, back in the seventies, there were women's resource centers and there was one really good one in San Francisco and they were famous for their job boards. Mm -hmm. And someone told me about it and I went and I looked and there was this job at WH Freeman, which was a scientific publishing company. It still exists and it existed for a thousand years prior. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was owned by Scientific American magazine, and they were looking for someone to handle desk copies. And I had absolutely no what I no idea what desk copies meant, but it was basically professors would call and they'd need a review copy of the book to see if they wanted to adopt it for their classes. Sorry. So it was marketing department, and um, and this really wonderful woman uh, named Barbara Spicer interviewed me and she said, well, we'll let you know. And I said, okay. And I walked home. And by the time I got home, there was, this was even, yeah, this was pre voicemail messages. Mm -hmm. This was pre answering phone. So when I got home, she called Mm -hmm. and said, um, would you like to start on Monday? and I think it was Thursday and I said, oh, I could start tomorrow, <laughs> but I didn't want to appear too eager.
0: <laughs> oh, so you didn't actually say it. It was just like flowing through you. <laughs>
3: it, just, it just popped right out. Um, and, um, then we, we really, we really hit it off. There was a very, it was a very tight little group. And just to give you, it's hard because you can't see me, Emily, but I'm not what we might call tall. (laughs) Well, I'm 5'2", at at least the last time I checked. Um, I was the tallest person in the department. Wow! Whoa. <laughs> and and we were known as the tough patinies. I respect
0: <laughs> short women so much. My uh, Rosemary is 5'3". Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I know not to mess with short women because <laughs> they they could beat me up.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right.
3: That's right. Actually, there's an author that I'm working with right now who is probably maybe five feet or five one in her prime. She's 88. Oh, wow. And I, I went to her launch um, back in the spring and um, I hugged her goodbye and I could tell in the three years that I had last seen her that she'd lost a little height. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, Irene, this doesn't bode well. And she said, oh, you get used to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's not super sensitive then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I used to complain about people who as they were getting older, they'd complain about things and I kind of get it now
1: yeah
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know things do change yeah <laughs> um, so anyway I, I stayed at Freeman for quite a while several years um, and then they moved their company from San Francisco to New York mm-hmm. and um, they kind of invited me to think about coming but I think they were pretty clear that I wasn't because um, I was very deeply involved with another human at the time and mm-hmm. It would have been too hard to uproot both of us. Sure. So from there, I went to working, uh, doing marketing for an architectural firm. And I had a really good friend who was a publicist for Chronicle Books. Oh, okay. And about once a month, she and I would have lunch. And I'd say, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. and, um, and she'd say, Oh, you know, I'm on the phone a lot. And I talk to the media and, and I go to New York twice a year for media trips. And I thought I could do that. Mm-hmm. That's how I could get back into books. And so then I kind of set my sights on publicity sounded like the right thing. It was also very much like what I was doing for these architects, okay. um, where I was there, a building would be finished and I would go, um, well, one of the things that I would do, a building would be finished and I would go uh, to the site with an f- architectural photographer and I would kind of art direct or orchestrate the kinds of photographs that we needed. At least I thought I was doing that. Architectural photographers knew exactly what I needed and they would say, mm, yeah, 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 Mary, okay. And then they would just go up on their own and plow through the building. And it, and it was, again, really sweet, wonderful people you know I'm very drawn to the people
2: mm-hmm.
3: but in the whole time I was in that job I kept thinking this is great I love this office and I love these people but I want books I yep. want books are my world mm-hmm. but I still was drawn I I kept being pulled back into the art world um I majored in art history so go back to the curator piece so I kept thinking oh I'm, a museum, a museum. And my resume actually looks, um, very hopscotchy. Mm -hmm. Um, about every 18 months I was off and running to a new possibility Mm -hmm. and I have a great looking resume, but, um, I didn't really actually focus until about 1992 Mm -hmm. when my husband said, you know, This is stupid. You need to decide.
0: (laughs) Wow. But like Like you either want the art world
3: or you want publishing. What do you want to do? Right. And he was in publishing, so I thought, okay, I'll be in publishing.
0: (laughs) So there was a bit of an implication there. (laughs) It was like choose
3: not not so much. I mean, he was open, but um, he wanted me to be happy, but he could also tell that I wasn't happy. Sure. And I was like searching, searching, searching constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really made the very clear decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I was going to stick with book publishing.
0: Okay.
3: Great. And I have not looked back.
0: Yeah. Great. Yeah.
3: That's awesome.
1: That's yeah. such a long time, too, that you've been doing this for. Well, I'm old. <laughs> you're not that old nothing wrong with being old no there's not yet that's true too so were you so where were you when uh, you made that decision were you still in san francisco we were
3: still in san francisco okay. right so then i i got hired for this great job as publicist i was the head publicist mm-hmm. i was the only publicist yep. um smallish company that published art books mm-hmm. so how perfect could that, that be it was i perfect had, I had both, and then um there was this, as I say, it was a small company, really tight staff. There were like eight of us, I think. and um on the third of July, we were all looking forward to having the fourth off, and we decided we would all go to lunch together. and this was pretty rare. So we off we go and we come back and we're locked out.
0: Oh no, oh.
3: The owner of the company was closing and he changed the locks.
0: Oh, oh, I thought it was an accident. I was like, oh, that's funny. You locked yourself out of the office. I'm it oh,
3: gosh. It was wow. A, unbelievable. Wow. It was just unbelievable. So, um, wow. So I, I remember I had two ideas. There was um, a publisher's tea, um, you know, one of these uh, groups um, where you could, you know, just talk shop and. Sure you know, find out what other people are doing in their jobs. Mm -hmm. And they held it in a very fancy hotel in uh, San Francisco. And so um, you had to fill out a name badge. Mm -hmm. So instead of putting my name on it, I said, looking for work.
2: Good for (laughs) you. Smart.
3: Which was a riff off of a friend years ago who worked in the clothing industry. And she had her resume printed on cloth. And she made a dress out of it.
2: Oh, wow.
1: So
3: she, so she went to uh, so something similar mm-hmm. within that industry with her resume on her dress. Wow. That's brilliant.
1: That is very cool. Wow.
3: Yeah. But I don't sew, so I yeah.
1: have to <laughs> stick with the Avery,
3: the Avery label. That's pretty niche.
1: <laughs> that is.
3: Yeah.
0: So it sounds huh? like, uh I don't know you as well as Corinne does, but it sounds like you've had to be a little bit scrappy on the, uh, uh, it's not like you were in New York with the big publishing companies where you could just go from house to house like a lot of people
3: claim to do. So Mm -hmm. you were. Yes, San Francisco had, it had a vibrant publishing scene, but it it was something that you almost had to look for. And I know that cancels out what I just said when it's vibrant. Um, Well, once you find it. Yeah, that's the key. Mm -hmm. You had to find it. You had to find it, but it was amazing. Amazing things were happening out there. Like, Mm -hmm. um, they were publishing things like the whole earth catalog, you know, so they were futzing around with format. It was like really big book, Mm -hmm. um, paperback, you know, it's where, well, the predecessor of counterpoint North point press, Mm -hmm. they were one of the first presses to publish first run paperbacks. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And oh. and they got away with it by having flaps. Oh, oh. very sneaky.
0: Hmm. I'm a
3: fool for flaps. Yeah. Who yeah. is and, it? <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. Really expensive but, now. Yeah. Now everybody. Well, everybody that can afford it does it. I mean, now everybody's doing digital printing, so you can't. I'm actually working with a a small group right now who publishes one book a year, which is a poetry anthology. And I helped them find a new designer. And she and I were talking the other day, she's getting bids for printing. And I said, how about flaps? Can we do flaps? Mm -hmm. Can we afford flaps? (laughs) And she said, well, if we do offset, we can. But she said, if we go digital, if if we lose time in the scheduling, the production schedule, in getting enough of the material, the poems in, she said, if that runs late, then we're going to have to go digital and no we can't do flaps. Oh so it's just risky to do. It's risky. yeah, on so many levels. but bef- but just to go back for a minute, before North Point was doing this, it was um, it was pretty much gospel that if you wanted a review mm-hmm. in any size review mechanism, magazine, newspaper, you had to have a hardcover book.
1: Um, so you were in San Francisco for how long?
3: Well, I got to San Francisco just before I started high school.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. so
3: I actually lived there for 22 years.
1: Oh, okay. And then you went, did you go to New York after that
3: or was it? No, I was born in New York. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So I did New York in reverse of everybody else. Ah, that sounds right. <laughs> I got, I got, yep. I got it out of my system. My grade. <laughs> and actually, you know, I never, there would be moments when I think, Oh, we should live here. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, after, you know, if you go on a long media trip or like sales conference and then a media trip, you're there about 10 days. Mm -hmm. And by 10 days I was really ready to come home. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, it's a really great place to spend time, but it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. and I was staying with a friend once and she said to me, oh, everything here is a challenge, getting your groceries, picking yep. up your dry cleaning, getting to work on time. She said, it's all a challenge. Yeah. 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 And you know that. I, I do. Mean,
1: I do. Yeah. Three years was enough for me. So yeah. that's true. And I can't, I can't fathom
3: the expense of New York.
1: Oh yeah. That's just off the charts. All right. So I, well, my next question is out of all the positions that you've held in your career, what's been your favorite one and why? What I'm
3: doing right now. I mean, yeah, I'm actually quite sanguine these days Mm -hmm. with, with my lot in life. Um, I like, I like the flow. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I like, um, you know, I like not having to get dressed up. I like not commuting. I, um, I like the fact that I've been doing it long enough, um, that there's continuity.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, and I work, you know, I work globally. Um, I've been, I've spent a lot of time really putting myself out there meeting people. Mm -hmm. And um, people are kind, people are generous, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they give you a chance. Um, So I've had some great jobs, but I have to say I'm really pleased that I opened my own office and then I closed it Mm -hmm. after 11 years and went to work for the University of Michigan Press, mm-hmm. which at the at that moment was exactly what I needed to do, and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I had um, great colleagues there, fabulous authors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sorry that I left and reopened my office. Sure. Uh,
0: Mary, could you elaborate a little more on what it is you do at your office, Sh- just for yeah, sure. people so, like me who don't know? So I, <laughs> I
3: am primarily... I wear three and a half hats. Um, I'm primarily a publicist. So um, authors and also publishers hire me to about anywhere between four to six months in a perfect world, uh, four to six months before a book is going to be published. And I start working the media and I start weighing in on things like websites and helping people figure out if they have the right, um, kind of book for a tour, um, to do readings. It used to be that everybody did, did a little tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not so sexy anymore. People don't show up. Mm. So then you have to think about, well, what's going to take its place. And that's, you know, that's where the creativity comes out when you're actually doing a little bit of problem solving. Um, and then I generally work up, up to pub date. And about a month after, Mm -hmm. um, in a perfect world, things are moving along so rapidly and so continuously that you're getting the attention that you actually have to stay on longer. Yeah. Um, you know, I have had those kinds of books, but then you have to really know when to pull out Mm -hmm. or when to pull away. Yeah. Um, when is enough enough? Or when does a project need a new voice? Mm-hmm. And that's a little hard to relinquish. But um, hopefully by then you're just so exhausted by the whole thing that um, you cannot even fathom one more time having to give the same spiel to someone.
0: Sure. Right. You know?
3: So okay. then you're happy to let it go.
0: Right. And um, is that usually a choice that you make or is it a collective choice?
3: Or... Yeah. It's, it's usually something that I would suggest. Um, or the author or the publisher runs out of money. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they say, okay, enough is enough, but that's pretty rare. You know, authors generally always feel like, oh, you were okay, but you know, what else can you do? Right. Right. Or they, they cannot believe that no one wanted to review their book. Mm-hmm. Even if you've done your due diligence mm-hmm. and you've sent the book out and you've done your follow-up. Yep. You know, I think the latest, maybe it's not even the latest, but the last statistic I have is that there are 250,000 books published in the U.S. every year. I didn't know that. That's That's an enormous amount of competition. Mm -hmm. And that's not just traditional publishing. That's hybrid publishing. That's self-publishing. That's immense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, it's the, (laughs) do you cut the tree down so it falls in the forest and who's Mm going to hear it or... Or, you know, are you standing under the tree when it's falling? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You you know, you can really play with that saying a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think that's a good segue into the question uh, about what do you think authors need to understand about publicity that they often don't?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing that I run into is that authors, uh, a lot of authors who are self-published don't, um, you know, they'll call me and they say, Oh, my book just came out. Oh. And I'll say, Oh, that's very nice. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) But, but you know, what I, what I say is, you know, um, if you had called me six months ago, four months ago, Uh and then they want to, you know, they, they want to argue with you. Uh, huh. sure. Um, and in a nice way, but mm-hmm. you know they they just don't understand, and you have to explain that it's not magic, and it's hard enough to, when there is magic to pull rabbits out of a hat, right. but if you don't have the background, and and they think okay, we're going to do it ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So there are a lot of people now who will self-publish a book and then try to pitch it to traditional publishing houses where they probably have like a mediocre, like mediocre numbers um, or there's no way to research how many they've sold and traditional publishing houses have to take their word for it. So have you ever had success with someone who has already self-published and then tries to go with a publishing house or... Mm. I,
3: okay, so there's two answers to that. Um, one is um, a lot of authors say, you know, when I say, why are you self publishing? This is a really good book. You really should put in the time to try and find an agent or a, mm-hmm. a traditional publisher that you don't need a gatekeeper and maybe you can just do it yourself, um, which those exist. Um, And they'll say, oh, well, no, you know, what I want to do is do this myself and then I'll get so much notice and I'll sell sell so many books that, and then you have to explain to them that then it's not at all of interest or it's frequently 99.9% not of interest to a publisher because if they've sold that many books, then where's your audience? Right. You already sold all of it to your audience. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they don't they don't believe that
2: mm-hmm. or
3: they don't want to hear that. And that's, you know, I used to argue more than I do now. Mm-hmm. I know Corinne, that's hard for you to imagine, yeah. but, <laughs> but, um, I, I know now when to kind of cut my losses and just be nice and get off some people that are just stubborn and they think they're going to reinvent the wheel. But I will say, I do. There is, a, there is a woman, she lives out on the coast, but she was in Portland at the time, and she published her first book on her own. And I don't remember why, but um, it was wi- wildly successful. It went crazy on Amazon. So crazy, so that she actually now publishes with Amazon. Oh, because right. they, they have many um, imprints. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and she has worked her way up the ladder of Amazon imprints. And she's very happy. Hmm. Um, and she thinks that, you know, she feels she found a really great home. And they they do good things by her.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see that. And being... she's a
3: good writer.
1: Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. always helps.
3: It, uh, yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah. And yeah. she actually... She, after the first book or the second book, I can't remember. She went out and got an MFA. So okay. she also, she teaches in the summer mm-hmm. at this very special program overseas. And she's good. She's really good. And she's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But it doesn't work for everybody.
1: No. Yeah. Right. No. So I guess another question is, I mean, considering all the jobs that you've had, if you had to do it all over again, would you still choose publicity?
3: Yeah, I think I really would. You would. Okay. Um, okay. I, because it, it fits my demeanor. Uh-huh you know I i'm pretty out, I'm pretty outgoing mm-hmm. i like I love going on media mm-hmm. calls uh-huh I, you know I love sitting down with a reviewer um, that said, when I was in my mid thirties and early forties I didn't think I would be doing it this long. Mm-hmm. I th- actually thought I would be an agent
1: oh, okay interesting
3: and I've tried a little bit of agenting mm-hmm. and I just find it repugnant really. Uh, it's so, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, let down with publicity
2: mm-hmm, and sorry. there's
3: even more, you know, when you, when you've got someone's baby in your hands, right.
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, it's just, it's just 10 times harder
0: emotionally draining every single day
3: it really it really is Mm -hmm. yeah Mm
0: -hmm. it
3: really is and what I did find out is I know a lot of marketing people in publishing Mm -hmm. but I don't know that many editors Mm -hmm. and I really do think that yes it's a wide world out there but you're seen as New York Right. Those are always your, that's your first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where you need to be. And you need to have put in that time to meet those people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can't, you know, I can't, I can go to New York for a week and have every meal every day with a different person. But yeah, I'm, I'm also, I think booksellers are on the side of angels, mostly. I mean, some of them are really crabby, but I, I stick up for them Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have to consider who my people are. Mm -hmm. So can I just go back? Because I did say that I, that I wear like three and a half. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we started with the, the, we started with the publicity and then Mm -hmm. the half is a marketing consultant because a lot of times when you take on a publicity project, you find yourself weighing in, on marketing because it's a very thin line an author once asked me what's the difference between publicity and marketing and I said publicity is free Mm -hmm. in that what you get is free advertising and marketing is advertising that you pay for Mm -hmm. and sales so I weigh in on it but I don't actually no one ever says you know would you come in and consult with us on Mm
2: -hmm. on the
3: marketing of this book they want me to do the publicity. Right.
2: Um, sure.
3: and then I actually sell foreign rights. So oh. that's my little kiss towards being an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. when an author or sometimes a publisher will ask me if I have those connections, mm-hmm. if I can do that. And I have to say one of the most fun things in the world is the Frankfurt book fair. Yay. Yes. And a couple of times in the last couple of years, I've been at the Frankfurt book fair, but from Portland. Um, where oh, okay. there's a, a couple of agents who will bring me to the table via Skype. Oh, like this? and, yeah. and I <laughs> and I can talk to them and present books to them via Skype. Okay. Um, and then one of them always cheekily says, oh, are you joining us for drinks tonight? Oh, <laughs> that's cute.
0: <laughs> so I, I imagine it's probably a less emotional experience to sell foreign rights because it's, uh, it's a book
3: that's already been published, right? Well, it's that, you know, I always say that foreign rights is, um, it's, uh, it contributes to the bottom line. Yeah.
0: Yes, definitely. yes. Mm-hmm.
3: But, it, you know, it's, it's pretty weird because it's basically contractual. It's that first conversation, um, or e- now I do a lot of it by email, mm-hmm. um, and um, you you talk about the contract, and then they put together a draft, right. and then you dicker over what's in the draft, mm-hmm. and then and then you agree, and then I take it to the publisher, and I say, you know, this is where I you know fought for you, um, and these are the terms, and I would. I would heartily recommend that you take these terms, and most most publishers will,
2: mm-hmm.
3: or authors will listen and say, okay. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: but that's even slowed down too, and that it has slowed down. And I was told very succinctly that by a German editor um, that the reason I needed to be six months earlier with my messaging to him mm-hmm. was because of Amazon. Mm. and he said we have so many English readers in Germany ah. that they will wait for the German translation because they can read it in English and they buy it on Amazon right okay. right
0: hmm.
3: um so the sales are smaller mm-hmm. and they have to be faster and because I work on these six-month ranges um, because I'm not staffed somewhere I don't have the I don't get something that fast or that early, and actually, most U.S. publishers aren't ready that early for foreign rights. Right, right. an right. agent might be. Mm-hmm. You know where that they, where they've kept the rights, and mm-hmm. they might be they might maybe have sold it into an American publisher, but then they immediately go to market to try and sell it overseas. Okay, but those are the like. Six-figure books. Oh,
1: I see. Okay. Those are the
3: big books. Right. Yeah, running with the back, big dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: and
3: then and then the last piece, um, is sorry, is I've I've started this new entity of my company called the Publishing Sherpa. And the Sherpa is a guide. Yes. Um, so if you have a manuscript, an author can, they can talk to me for the first half hours free, and then I read their manuscript, and I have a small fee for that. Mm -hmm. And then I make recommendations like, let me help you find an agent or this really needs some more editing or, um, or, you know, this could be published traditionally, but it's going to be a slightly smaller publisher. I'd be happy to help you. So that's really just gotten off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually it started because someone said to me that I had so much background that I should actually be paid for it. Yeah, um, and so I started thinking about that, and I agreed. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's true. Now it's just a question of how much is this worth, right? And especially if you're going to recommend that someone hire an editor,
0: mm-hmm. that makes Very it expensive. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, them. yeah, right.
3: yeah. And so you have to think about where's the humanity here? You know, mm-hmm. it's not always about money.
0: Well, and then you have to be very objective to to say something, whether or not someone should do something like that, because it's easy for someone who doesn't have a stake to just be like, oh, well, just hire an editor and then it'll be so much better. But you are actually taking into account how much that's going to uh, affect them. Have you ever had to just tell someone that they're not a good writer
3: or like... I, I would never put it that way
0: mm-hmm. um, right I right, actually
3: of I, recently I talked to someone who had written a, a memoir that she actually spoke more in a more excited way than she wrote it and and I said oh, she and I had our conversation and I gave her my recommendation and then um And then I called her back like 15 minutes later and I said, you know, I said, I was hesitant to tell you this, but I said, I'm just going to put it on the table. When I was reading your manuscript, I felt like, well, gee, she's done some great research. Now she needs to write the novel.
2: Mm -hmm. Hmm.
3: And what about turning her, her, her family story, um, into just a really good story. Uh huh. Right. And I think it would actually be easier for her, but I don't know. She's she's grappling with all of we talked what we talked about. Okay. So I'm curious. I hope she comes back to me. I'm because I'm curious where things go next.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And how do you find most of your
3: clients? Are they
1: referrals or
3: actually actually it's word of mouth. Okay. I, I've, okay. I've put it out to a couple of people, and mm-hmm. there's a wonderful um, man in uh, California who used to own a bookstore, mm-hmm. and um, he sends me a lot of people. Oh, okay. And sometimes he'll say. You know, I'm buying two hours of your time for, you know, X, Y, or Z, right. which is just really generous and wonderful. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and he's turned me on to some really great projects. Um, and frequently, they're not even yet manuscripts. Oh, wow. You know, there might okay. be concepts. Sure. And, are these- and I'll say, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't a book. Maybe this is an article.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, maybe we need to think about an outline for an editor at a magazine. Right.
0: Do you mostly deal with uh, fiction or nonfiction
3: or everything? So I'm an equal opportunity consumer.
0: Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) One of the questions that Corinne posed was what's my favorite genre? And I would have to say what I gravitate to when I'm in a bookstore is fiction. Right. Um, But there's a lot of great memoir out there.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, So I I work on fiction, um, creative nonfiction. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the challenge of cerebral yet readable, like really thinky books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and poetry. Mm-hmm. Nice. So basically, no science fiction, no um, cookbooks, mm-hmm. and no kids' books.
0: So, more. And uh, I have narrative. really
3: tried with kids' books,
0: mm-hmm. but
3: it's a disconnect. It's a different world.
0: Yeah.
3: It's a different lexicon mm-hmm. and it's a different scheduling. Right. It's just harder.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: right. It's just harder. Yeah. Um, so, what, uh, well, maybe what was the most fun campaign that you've worked on over the years? Or a handful of fun campaigns is fine too. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to choose. Yeah, you don't have
3: to just <laughs> narrow it down to one. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I was thinking about this after we talked earlier. Fun is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was a, um, A book by a cartoonist. Oh, cool. It was kind of an omnibus of her Mm -hmm. of her collection over 40 years. Um her the cartoonist name is MK Brown. Mm -hmm. And she is um she's on your knees funny. Yeah.
2: Um
3: and her cartoons are the quality of the New Yorker. Oh
2: wow. Um
3: but she's also for years she was a cartoonist for the National Lampoon and uh, that's crazy. Uh and and she's she she's just got a really pithy wonderful way about her like she once did this um, I think she was uh, commissioned by the American Dental Association to do a poster for one of their conferences
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um it was a picture of um, it was a drawing of some vegetables and the message on it was and they had faces you know mm-hmm, they sure. were characters and the message on it was um chew your food no one else will <laughs> for some reason I can't get that out of my head <laughs> I, uh, I won't and be able her, to her either. Always little, like gawky you know it's like uh-huh, there's uh-huh. there was this great one of a, a couple sitting in a in a coffee shop and and the the man is um dressed in you know like lycra like um cycling clothes like mm-hmm. and the woman is just you know got jeans and a t-shirt on or something yeah and she said um stanley you know you really should get a bike (laughs) (laughs) so it's like this great commentary on things that we may think you know i think i'm candid but boy she really puts it out there that's great
2: so that was a very
3: that was a very very fun book to work Mm -hmm. on yeah and she's she's an incredibly fun person so yeah yeah so it was i think a lot of what's fun or what's successful is um what i call the trifecta amiable, smart publisher. Sure. Um, open-minded, mm-hmm. um, open to creativity, open to, um, someone else's ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to have a huge purse strings, but that doesn't, oh, doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, <it never laughs> <hurts. That's true. laughs> um, similar author who's written an incredibly good book, right? If you those are the three magic ingredients mm-hmm. for a good campaign, a fun campaign, a heartfelt campaign, a mm-hmm. poignant campaign, right. all of all all of those things and a successful campaign. Mm-hmm. All of those things. So I think that's how I would answer that question. Okay. Okay. That's how I am going to answer that question. That's a totally acceptable <laughs> answer. I guess and that, that way nobody will feel bad. Like, oh, my campaign wasn't <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
1: Everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> absolutely, wow. Absolutely.
3: Wow, you put nine months into this pregnancy and boy, is that an ugly kid? Nobody yeah, ever no. does. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's like everything inside
3: of you is bad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Why did yeah. you show us? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you might say to an adult who's very attractive, wow, you're you look great. You were such an ugly kid, you yeah. know, but. just all in good fun that's something (laughs) that you know a friend of mine's grandmother would have said you know right right (laughs) right yeah oh okay
1: let's also talk about uh what some of your favorite books are
3: hooray okay all right so um i have a list oh (laughs) Oh, boy i I thought well i didn't say three favorite books yeah you You don't have to yeah you you don't have to there are no rules here Okay. No yeah. rules. Um, yeah. <laughs> <blooming> onions. <laughs> and this is a completely personal list. This is not necessarily books that have been horrendously successful, sure, yeah. but just books that have touched me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, a stone boat by Andrew Solomon. Okay. So, um, well, when when we were first starting to work together, and some of these are books I've worked on, some of them are not. Okay. Um, Andrew and I were starting to work together. And um, it it was uh, his second book,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, but his first novel. And we were sitting down to a very lovely meal. And I said, as the waiter left the menus with us, I said, um, so tell me, I said, um, is this, how autobiographical is this? And he got very proud of me. He said, about 97%. It's good that he was proud. And I often thought, you know, I wish, in retrospect, I wish that had been a memoir. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody that knew him knew that it was basically I see. Okay. Um, He's gone on to do fabulous things with his book on depression and Mm -hmm. National Book Award winner and things like that. Right. Um, And I always get to say, I knew him when. (laughs) 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 Another book that I worked on, which was... It was one of those trifecta moments. Mm-hmm. It's uh, called A Century of November. And it's, um, it's a very wonderful book on World War I, the end of World War I. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of the best first lines in it that I've ever read or heard. Um, and the editor, um, this was a University of Michigan press book, so I was on staff. And the editor came down to my office one day and he said, boy, I've got a great novel for you. It's got a great first line, and I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Everybody says that, mm-hmm. but it was a great first line, which was, um, "He grew apples and he judged men, and it was a it was a tumultuous season for both."
0: Wow, that is great.
3: Isn't I was afraid. I was it afraid is. you weren't going to tell us for a minute. Yeah. I, thought, I was I, afraid to be like pause. you have to go buy it. Here. I I think I may have screwed it up a little. I don't think it was an absolute quote. Um, but another book that I worked on. It was called Monique and the Mango Reigns, which is a Peace Corps memoir. And it was just, it was, again, it was one of those trifectas. Um, It's it's a really good story. And it's definitely well told. And it's about um, this young woman's, American woman's relationship with the person that she was working with in this small village in Mali in West Africa, um, where they had... They were the same age, um, and they both spoke French as a second language. And Monique had a sixth grade education and held the entire health care of the village in her hands. Chris Holloway, who's the author, um, had just graduated from college when she joined the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she very different, very different, right. but so cool, so wonderful. I mean, and their relationship was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and she tells the relationship of it and there's some really sad moments in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was really, truly one of the best books I ever worked on. And it was a complete, you know, kind of one-off where I met this author at a barbecue.
2: Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And she described her book and I said, I want to read it. Mm -hmm. And then when I read it, I said, I've got to work on this.
0: Yeah. Great.
3: Then... All the News I Need by a woman named Joan Frank. Very small press book. I think it was the University of Massachusetts in Amherst that published it. But it's just, it's quiet, but yet it t- takes your breath away. Mm. Um, just very special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did not work on it. That mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> is wonderful. <laughs> um, the Garden of Small Things by a woman named Abby Waxman is... Um, I think one of the most charming books I've read in a very, very long time. And it's got these two kids in it that have the best dialogue. I mean, I don't know if this woman's this author's kids, if she, I think she has kids mm-hmm. and I don't know if her kids feed her the dialogue mm-hmm. or if she makes it up, uh-huh. but either way she should get, she should get an award just for the kid dialogue. I uh-huh. mean, it's fabulous. I was so sad when this book ended, mm. but it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's a quiet book in, mm-hmm. in the sense that it was published by a big publisher, mm-hmm. but it's definitely mid list. Okay. Right. You know, I don't think they ever like burst it out in a big way. I found it in the library. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I love when that happens. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I love libraries. Yes. Oh, of so do we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. Librarians are angels. They are. And
1: they don't yeah. shush you anymore. Yeah, they
3: don't. Yeah. <laughs> they're so non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yes, that too. Yeah, they never like turn up their nose.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. right. They're there for the, they're they to take care of all of us. That's right. <laughs> That's right. right exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and then I'm a fool, absolute fool, for anything that was written by Laurie Colwyn. Okay. Um, she. Uh, died very tragically early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was in her late thirties when she died. She had a heart attack. Oh, no. um, oh. But she had been very prolific and she'd had a diff, there was something, something happened in her writing career where she was kind of blackballed for a while. Huh. I don't know the backstory. Okay. Um, and she, the only places she could get published were um, in gourmet magazine. Um, And that's where I first found her. Um, And the way she wrote about food was just really wonderful. And then I started, I found her short stories and then I found some fiction. And then I was just like bereft, like, oh my God, you know, somebody's got to find some manuscript that she, that she had hidden in a drawer somewhere because this can't be it. Mm. But no one there, I can't think of anyone who writes Portrays the Upper East Side New York matron better than Laurie Colwin. Okay. In fact, I have um I have this really young woman that a publisher that I do some work with in Chicago. Oh, she goodness. had met this young woman, and she said, um, "She's still in college, and she she's absolutely clear she wants a career in publishing." And so, my con- kind of, our, our mutual contact in Chicago said, "Oh, you know, you should talk to Mary because." she can maybe help you find internships or whatever. And so we've been corresponding and she was leaving Chicago to go to Columbia Mm -hmm. in New York. And, but she started as a junior, she was transferring. Mm. And so I've, not we it started out as weekly, but now that she's into the semester it's a little longer. I give I've been giving her assignments.
2: Oh nice. uh-huh. go
3: check out this bookstore and go see yep. this person and Smart. here's an introduction to this person and make an appointment and it's going really nicely.
2: Yeah.
3: Um and so um she said, you know, I've never been in New York before. Can you recommend any books? And I said,
2: I get Laurie oh, can
3: I? Yeah. <laughs> get Lori Colin. Um, and she said, oh, I love this person. This is great. And I thought, okay, yes. <laughs> nice.
2: Um,
3: and gosh, you know, she's going to go far. She's like, she's really smart. She's mm-hmm. really hungry. She's got the energy. And she's got the special cool independent
0: watch. study. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and I like, you know, I like people who are serious about it. I'm really happy and willing to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, once a month I Skype with an undergraduate publishing program in Baltimore at Loyola university Uh and they have, they have a press. Um, it's called apprentice house and, um, I had no idea. Sorry. I'd never heard of them before. That's yeah, I know. Not too many people. (laughs) Um, so I'm helping them try to figure out like, as students, it's hard because you know they have vacations and and right. they're still undergrads. So right. there's a there's a little bit of a disconnect in their involvement or seriousness about it. Yes, sure. yes. Um, And they don't have distribution. Mm. Um, you know, they have Ingram, but it's not. They don't have Sales exclusive people. distribution. Right. So so that's a little harder too. Um, but um, you know, I'm trying to get them to think about looking at the big picture when they acquire a book. Like, how is this going to get out into the world? And um, giving the author help. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I have worked. I found them because an author who I knew hired me to help her. And I, I was curious. I, could, I really liked the publisher, and they did made a made a beautiful book. They produced a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of quizzical. And he said, you know. I said, you know, could I talk to the class? And so we started that way. Um, okay. The problem is they're on the East Coast and they meet from eight to nine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have to get up
3: at five to do that. No, <laughs> no.
1: But it's only once a month, once a month, you said, right? Okay. It's yeah. not terrible, yeah. but yeah, yeah, not
3: great. <laughs>
0: I think it's terrible. <laughs> Um, but worth it, apparently. So right?
3: I, you know, I really enjoy people who are interested in kind of helping them launch a little bit or mm-hmm, giving yeah. them background, background, yeah. making yeah. introductions. I think mm-hmm. being a mentor is really sweet. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, and I know, I mean, personally speaking, you've been incredibly helpful to me a few times, you oh. know, when I've come to you for advice oh. about lots of different things. So um, thank you for that. But yeah, you're yeah. also very, you're incredibly helpful as a mentor, you know. No, thank so, you.
0: Yeah. Thank th- you for mentoring Corinne. Yes. Thank you very
1: much. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think that's the end of our question list. Oh, you
3: asked me what I was reading. Oh, now. I asked you that too. That's oh, right. there's thank more. Thank you there's for reminding you.
1: me.
2: There's
3: more. Yeah. Right. Okay. So this book is coming out in March. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, it's stories mm-hmm. by a, a woman who lives in Ann Arbor named Polly Rosenwake. Okay. Rosenweight. weight mm-hmm. um, and double days publishing and it's called look look how happy I'm making look how happy I'm making you yeah. um, and it's time. stories <laughs> I it's love a great that. title yeah yeah um, and it's it's about the realities of the baby years even though uh, I'm way out of the baby years and never yeah. had a baby yeah but I'm always curious about how people like juggle it sure and um, so you know, full disclosure, Polly is a friend. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a galley and said, you know, so many years coming and just thought you might like to see this. Mm -hmm. And I've read her reviews. I've Mm -hmm. read her criticisms of books and definitely, you know, knew she was a good writer. And I just kind of thumbed through it and just started reading and just kept reading and kept reading and kept reading, and she's really good and really? she's funny mm-hmm. and she's sweet and she just has great dialogue in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a book to watch out for.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah. I yeah. love that
0: title. Yeah. It, of it anyway, made me feel she, things. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look how happy I'm think making it
3: you. Would, I also think it would be great for like grandparents and be great for mm-hmm. baby shower gifts and sure, things like yeah. that. So, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
3: And then I just finished reading *The Library* by Susan Orlean. Oh, uh, how is that? It's it's good. It's mm-hmm. really good. Okay. And I actually remembered the fire. Really? Um, yeah, it was okay. 1985 or 1986. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember reading about it, mm-hmm. and um, just hard to imagine, yeah. you know, what it would be like to you know lose all of that. Sure. All of those books. Yeah. Um, And she was in the library for something else, and someone was giving her a tour of the L.A. Public Library, and he took a book off the shelf, and he smelled it, and he said, oh, you can still smell the fire. And she said, oh, can people smoke in the library? She didn't (laughs) didn't know about it. Then when she started researching it, she thought, there's a book here. Here's my next book. Mm -hmm. She's done a really good job.
1: That's good to hear. I was curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that's all
0: I got.
1: Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, I yeah, I think that's the end of my question. That's it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Mary, yeah.
0: thank you so thanks much. Thanks for inviting me. It was yeah, really fun. Yeah. Thanks for making the time to well, chat. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It was a privilege to be able to hear so much. Oh, I feel like you. I feel like I learned a lot mm-hmm. um, oh, okay. as someone just starting out. So. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Mary. Much. All
3: right, you guys have a good weekend. All, all right, right. You, you too. All all right, right, all okay. Bye.
0: Do you have anything? else to say about our interview
1: um I don't think that I do I I just think I don't know I just think Mary's a really interesting person because she's worn so many different hats yeah and she's not been afraid to sort of like jump from one like I mean it's all been mostly publicity but I mean like she does foreign rights and she does kind of like you know, sort of like dips her toes into the agenting waters a little bit.
0: Yeah. She was saying that she didn't do that. And then she kind of made that comment about her consultations. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're kind of agenting there. That is kind of what that is. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So I just, yeah. I mean, I just think she's had a really interesting career. And it's been in a lot of different places. Like she started in San Francisco and then she was in Michigan for a while. Um, and it was all not New York, no, it was all, and that's another thing that's a big plus, I think, for people who think, as I did, quite honestly, when I was twenty four or whatever, um, that you have to move to New York to get into publishing, and, and you don't
0: you don't so you can, I mean, now we know two people who yeah. have gone to Michigan. that's right to be in publishing to be in publishing, so, so it happens it can happen anywhere, especially with uh, you know Skype. that's right. <laughs> Skype is a magical thing, all right, well. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We, uh, uh, what do we have? We have the hybridpubscout.com. Yes, we do. Yes, Come and see that. Twitter at hybridpubscout. We have mm, Facebook. Um, Facebook. And then you can email me at emily at hybridpubscout.com. Please sign up for our newsletter Please. because. Because it's so much fun. It is fun, and we only email you like every two weeks. Yeah, that's like it's not nothing. that big of a deal. It's nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. not
1: a big deal. It's at a all. small price to pay for uh, like how many laughs you get.
0: I think I don't even think that it's a price. No, it's, it's not. absolutely I'm sorry free. I said that. It's this, not a price. There's all this free content. Right, it's I mean, just free. On. You should be happy about it. There's <laughs> yeah. no price. Thank us. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, um, this was a great interview. Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for giving a shit about books.